3: I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcomed England and Saracen star Maro Itoje, Olympic silver medallist Tom Mitchell and Dan Bibby, and referee Wayne Barnes. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insights and analysis from Ben Kay, Austin Healy, Sarah Elgin, and our studio guests. So, Maro, after all of that, the season starts in two days. I would imagine you're probably thinking, can I just have
4: two or three more weeks? <laughs> <laughs>
3: It was a tough year for you.
4: Um it was, a, it was a good year, you know. I'm looking forward to it. We've had uh we've had we've had our time off, we've had a good preseason, and I'm looking forward to get stuck into the season. Oh, the smile and eagerness <laughs> of youth.
5: <laughs> How do you top a year like that?
4: Um, I think the you know the the goal for us is to try and do that again. Last year was special. We had a special group of people together, I had some cool coaches, some great players, and there was a collective buy-in. But I think the challenge for us to is to try and get better, try and approach each day with that mentality. I think we'll, we'll be all
5: right. OK, well, you've got a European winner's medal, you've got a Premiership winner's medal, you've got a Grand Slam winning medal, European Player of the Year, but you only know you've really made it when your teammates sing a song about you, to you. Check this out. <laughs>
3: How long did it take them to learn the words to that song? <laughs> I don't know.
4: Not very long at
5: all. A couple
3: of team meetings and a week <laughs> of study.
4: That's See, brilliant. I
5: always thought you were the shy retiring type. There's nothing shy about that.
4: Um, well, obviously, you know, spirits were pretty high, <laughs> high there. I think I got some champagne thrown in my eyes there, so I, was, I, know, I couldn't even see what was going on, but, but, but it was good.
6: I think, think we should apologise now for, oh. after the European Cup, Dave oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I were in, in the bar, you turned <laughs> oh, up, we'd obviously had a, a couple it. of drinks to liven us up, and then halfway through the conversation, we realised we'd become those two old codgers... <laughs>
3: yeah, we that were. ..that you
6: were stuck with, and very politely, about 30 minutes into the conversation, you said, I'm just going to head That's over the here
3: <laughs> And the, the worst thing was, we looked at each other, but... We just bored, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we did. let's, let's look ahead, then. Let's look forward. These are, these are the fixtures that, that await you, the first four, four fixtures. And there's a strange mindset. We heard in that, uh, that great commentary from Nick Mullins in, in the, uh, the European final that you've gone from, from playing in a field in North London to being champions of Europe. You, as a young player, you, know, you weren't even, probably weren't born when Saracens made the move away from all of that. Do you understand the history of Saracens? Is it made aware to you how far Saracens have travelled?
4: Yeah, I think so. You know, um, even though I'm young, I've been at Saracen since, since I was about 14, 13 years old, so um, I wasn't necessarily involved in all the moving process, but I've been, I've been around the club for a long time, and I think the more you spend in the club and the environment, you get to get a feeling of what the club's about.
5: But to us, I think your rise has seemed pretty rapid, hasn't it? You know, From when you first made your debut, what, two seasons ago? Um, To where you are now, does it feel like it's happened that quickly to you, or does it feel like a bit more of a grind?
4: Um, It it doesn't feel that quick. Um, Like, it feels it feels pretty, pretty normal.
2: The space but, shuttle
7: doesn't go up that
3: quick. Uh, <laughs> what about what about this? The, the, this confidence. I mean, we're seeing this now, not just in Marrow, but in so many of the young players coming through. It's different. Mara, the, it's a
6: nice sort of confidence. When i always shot with my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. but,
3: but with these guys coming now out, out of the academies, what the what the the Premiership clubs are presenting now. To the national team is something quite special.: I
7: think it's testament to the academies as well that they, they don't produce players that aren't ready. they produce players that are ready to go straight into that first team and perform and perform to become the European player of the season. It shows that they're doing the right job and Marrow is not alone there. There's lots of young players coming through this season. We'll talk later on about some of the really big name signings that have happened over the summer. But when you look down the lists of all the clubs, there's also promoted from the academy. And as commentators and analysts, you're always looking for someone who you haven't seen, someone you don't really know, someone who can suddenly go, wow, what a player this guy could be. And in one year's time, who knows, you know, Lewis Ludlow, young player at Gloucester, he could be an absolute monster of a player. We just don't know, and that's what's so exciting about it. Yeah, very,
3: very exciting times. But of course, this time last year, the horror of England's World Cup campaign was about to unfold. Out of that disappointment, A new England emerged, led by a new and unexpected face. Lawrence Delaglio went to England's training base at Pennyhill Park to chat with everyone's favourite Aussie, Eddie Jones. I
0: mean, you don't need reminding of of what's happened in the last six months, but um, that's probably happened a lot quicker than even you might have expected right from the outset, is, is that fair?
8: Yeah, I, I thought we'd win the Six Nations. Look, you know, without being arrogant, I think England should always win the Six Nations, all being contention on the Six Nations. Yeah, oh oh <laughs> you know, when you play Australia in their own backyard, you know, the Australians are on the front foot. You yeah. know, they're taking you on everywhere they can. Well, you wrote the manual, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> the great thing for us, I think we took it to them. You know, it's just that first test in, in Brisbane, I think, when Haskell hit Pocock, you know, it was a sign that, you know, we were here for the business boys. We're not here to be second fiddle. Yeah. You know, if we're good enough, we're going to win this. I thought we could beat them 2-1. You know, the third test, I was surprised how well we played. I've got yeah. to admit that because we were tired.
0: You weren't shy in saying that if we want to be the best side in the world, we've got to get a lot fitter than we are yeah. at the moment.
8: Uh, well, the great thing for us, we haven't really touched on it yet. You know, we've got another six or seven percent improvement at least in that in that physical area of conditioning, at least. Which is, is so exciting because over the next three years we can build on that. Individually, we can get each of the players better. Like someone like Billy can improve enormously. You know, he's just he's just touching Unbelievable the, he's touching the surface at the moment.
0: Yeah. You got Australia to a World Cup final, yeah. and but for uh, one one drop kit you could have
8: even won yeah. that final. Um, then things went a little bit the other way. Uh, I think one one of the things I learned about that I stayed too long. but like it was my right. fifth year. I think. Again, Australia were at their peak for that World Cup and then you've got to rebuild and rebuilding at the international level's heart. Australia's going through it at the moment. Now, Michael Checker's in the position now, he's got some of the older players are past it now and the younger players just aren't good enough so you've got this gap in in your team and and therefore you've got a gap in performance. And, you know, the thing I've learned about international coaching, you you get in there, you do a good job for four years, you build the team up and then you give it to someone else to do.
0: I'm sure Ian Ritchie's taken note of that as well. <laughs> What's your assessment, sort of six months in, of the of the strengths of the premiership?
8: I've been really impressed by the professionalism of the clubs. The quality and quantity of the, the coaching staff is outstanding. And I think that's starting to be replicated in the standard of play. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd start, I'd still like to see it be a bit more attacking, but mm. you know, I'm sure that's going to come. Um,
0: if there is a weakness, it's probably that sides don't believe and bat themselves all the time, do they?
8: Yeah, I think they're just a little bit too set in what they do from certain positions rather than have a look at what the defence is doing and having a go.
0: In terms of the block coming up, the Autumn Internationals, will you have a tried and trusted team?
8: I was just having a look at it the other day, you know, before the World Cup we've probably got about 36 tests, Um, so every test test is important. Uh, We'll certainly pick out our strongest team for South Africa. Yeah, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, and, and we haven't beaten South Africa since 2006.
0: No, in fact, they've beaten us up every yeah. time.
8: And they, and you know what they're like, mate, they're just
0: bullies. Yes. Yeah. you'll take each game as it comes, I know you'll say that, but you're obviously looking to to try and win every single game in the autumn.
8: Yeah, no, 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 but the first, first most important one, South Africa. We win that, we'll be right for the rest of the series.
0: Eddie, it's been a real pleasure, thank you very much no, indeed. No, pleasure.
8: Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. You
3: have to love what Eddie Jones says and the way he says it. You can read so much into it. You can see that full interview on Sport in Focus. Lawrence Delaglio meets Eddie Jones. That's Friday, 6.45 on BT Sport 1 HD.
5: Mara, right, let's talk about uh, Eddie Jones and the England revolution, if you like. As someone that's kind of part of it, how does Eddie Jones get what he's gotten out of you guys in such a short space of time? What's so special about him?
4: Um, well, I think, obviously, he's a very experienced coach, and I think with that, he c- comes... We've known how to manage players. I think he has a special relationship with every player and he knows how to get the best out of the players. And I think that's transferring onto the pitch.
5: Because for us, I think as fans, and for you guys as, as pundits, you kind of think to yourselves, well, if he's gotten this much out of them in what, you know, a few months time, what's he going to get in years to come? You know, I is think
6: it? What- he's added most is belief, and and I think he said something about England being 30% fitter by the end of the uh, Six Nations campaign. Now, that was never going to happen, but if he starts getting the players to believe they're fitter, even if they're not as fit as they actually think, the press as well, the media, the first time England have a good game, oh, don't they look fit? That starts rubbing off on the opposition. You actually start saying, right, we can take teams
7: right to the wire here and beat them. I think that's where he's one step ahead of everyone in the media. He's very, very good, very experienced. He doesn't allow mind games of Warren Gatlin to pay any influence upon the outcome of the game. And uh, he always seems to be 24 hour uh, hours ahead in the media. And I think that just comes from being so experienced, seeing so many di- different nationalities, coaching in so many different countries. And he really has made a, a massive impact.
3: He's great with the mind games, isn't he? And he says that it's, it's a four-year... Stint, it's a four year cycle at the end of four years, hand it over to someone else. If that's going to happen, if he's going to win a World Cup in what, three years' time now, he's got to work quickly, and the fixtures ahead of him are brutal. It's a, it's a, it's, it just grinds on, big, big games. What do you make of this when you look at these, Austin? You just think. It...
7: Well, it, it all starts with South Africa, and they always, all coaches say it's about the next game, but really in the Autumn Internationals, when you look who you're playing there, in terms of your confidence and your team, your continuity, you beat South Africa, the rest of the three games seem a lot easier. I think Argentina could be very, very difficult to play. They'll be looking forward to coming up here with the squad that they've got it's now. It's a real
6: test, isn't it? Because that South Africa game, they're the only ones with a bit of a psychological hoodoo. I, was, I said in the, in the piece there with Lawrence, that haven't won uh, since 2006, is it, against South Africa. They've got to do it because they can't afford to be the team that starts to play nice rugby but can get out-muscled.
7: But if they win all those games, I think they equal the record for most consecutive wins by an international side. I think they go to 17. My maths might be wrong, it, the summer's Your been maths a long is one, never wrong but um, it could be pretty Ever. close, so, uh, you know, anything can happen. Um. Yeah, Huge challenge, huge challenge.
3: What about um, you mentioned earlier about Oh, non-English, non-English centric, centric show. Yeah. <laughs>
7: uh, show. Uh, well, we're going to go on to the Celtic nations on their tours in a Sorry, second. So what but did you say? What did you say? The Celtic nations.
5: Fantastic. Not,
7: not for very long, <laughs> just okay. for a couple of All seconds. Right. <laughs> um, but obviously the polls come in uh-huh. and uh, everyone thinks, and rightly so, that the Autumn Internationals are going to with huge confidence that 70% chance, we'll have to find out whether that's mathematically correct, whether they have got a 70% chance of winning, but, um, you know, England had a fantastic summer. Go down there and win 3-0. was a phenomenal tour. But as I said, we've had some tweets, social medias, we can go in wild because all the other sides were away as well. And if we have a few a look at a few of them, George North up first. Um, a good test match. It's tough now, but to be the best and improve, you have to play these games. They lost 3-0 to New Zealand, the world champions, but they didn't disgrace themselves in any way. And George North got himself cheered up a little bit when his uh, girlfriend won a silver medal as well in the Olympics. Um, Becky James, well done to her. Sean O'Brien, he's also come out and said that was something else. Go on, the lads. Serious effort and desire for each, or each other. Delighted for everyone. Ireland versus South Africa. South Africa won 2-1 in the Test Series, but that so easily could have been a 3-0 series to Ireland, and they made huge leaps in that series to where they were in the six nations and will be again a massive force and not leaving out the Scots boys Uh, Murray Kinsella with Gregor Townsend in charge of national side and Dave Rennie coming into a Glasgow Scottish rugby's future is looking good they had a good tour as well Japan as we know are a resurgent national side and were very difficult to beat 2-0 series over there well done to Scotland well done to Ireland and Wales a bit of work
3: Let's, let's have a look at those, those Watson, results, if right. put some numbers to those results. What do, I mean, when you look, is anyone going to be disappointed with that? Is it going to get to the stage? When you look at Wales and their series tour to, to New Zealand, will they come away from that thing? well, we, we pushed them hard, or will they think we could have done better?
7: Well, if you look at the results, they scored some decent points in the first two tests and then got largely thrashed when it was all over in the the last test. But we're talking about New Zealand here. New Zealand went over to Australia last week and absolutely destroyed them. And they're just improving. And that's not... thats a. We're talking about New Zealand. They're in transition after losing some of their senior players, McCaw going and others. So let's take it in context. Wales did as well as they possibly could. But for me... Uh, along with England, who had an amazing tour, Ireland were so, so close to beating South Africa 3-0 over there, which is a phenomenal effort. To well an Austin, you can tick the box now, you have yeah. talking <laughs> about the other nations. That's <laughs> it, rest of the season, you don't have to mention them. We had to, because Sara's husband's obviously coach of Ireland and he's looking to extend his contract.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Food, on the, the table, table, food on the table, Sara, food on the table.
3: Rugby has its Olympians back again and in Rio, Team GB exceeded all expectations. Please welcome two of their stars, Dan Bibby and Team GB captain Tom Mitchell. <laughs> Great stuff. The physique, swagger and haircuts of fit young men. Uh, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. And Olympic medals around your, or your neck. Let's just, Tom, let's just talk about this, this title of Olympian, because it's something we heard so much from all the athletes out in Rio, to be called an Olympian. Give us an idea how it feels.
9: Yeah, that was actually an amazing thing. I think after our, our very first game of the tournament, um, we played Kenya, and it was, to be honest, a fairly comfortable game for us, probably our only comfortable game of the tournament. But um, we were in the shower afterwards, and it, sort of, it suddenly dawned on me that now we could kind of call ourselves Olympian. And that was, uh, we couldn't dwell on it for that long because we had another game coming up, but that was a pretty cool moment. And those medals are on your neck, Dan
3: free entry into every bar you could ever
10: want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's contactless as well, <laughs>
3: <laughs> And why not I wanna, just get, how important do you think it has been for Sevens, but for rugby as a whole, for the rugby family that rugby's now an Olympic sport?
10: Yeah, I, th- I think it's amazing. I think, you know, rugby Sevens is, you know, getting the, the recognition it deserves, um, especially, you know, all credit to Fiji as well, you know, that that uh, sort of nation now has been lifted like, hugely. And I think everyone around the world who's been watching, we've had, I don't know about you, but we've had so much support just from people who have never watched Sevens before. And they're like, oh, I love rugby Sevens. When, when can I watch it again? Which is you know, it's really nice for us to, to know everyone is out there is thinking that.
3: And the, the crowds at the Diodoro Stadium, they were strong crowds, they were big crowds. You've got the feeling that, that uh, everyone really took to Sevens.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many people we've spoken to have said that for them it was the highlight of the games. Um, and we could feel it on the pitch. And we were very fortunate that we had a bit of a GB corner. So we had plenty of support um, amongst a few boos as well from the, from the, other, the rest of the fans. But, um, yeah, I mean, amazing event out there, I think. It was uh, something like no other for us, even though the tournament itself wasn't that different to what we used to um, in terms of the excitement of it. But, but knowing um, that it was on the biggest stage there is in sport was an amazing feeling.
3: Let's just take a, a walk through the route to the final. And you said that the only easy game was the game against Kenya and then life. Got a little bit more difficult. Let's have a look at those. So Japan, you won by two points. New Zealand by two points. So those are the pool games. Kenya, Japan, and New Zealand were your pool games. Um, I would imagine you're fairly confident, Dan, that you're going to get past Japan. But what about New Zealand?
10: Um, Yeah, you know, obviously New Zealand are a quality side, and we we sort of took each game as it came. You know, started off with Kenya, then Japan and New Zealand. But um, it was the classic game of two halves. We, I think we scored all 21 points in the first half, and we thought, oh, we all looked around at half time and we like, pretty comfortable here. We we got this. Next minute, we're, <laughs> we're like, two minutes to go, and we're three points behind or something, uh, three points in front, sorry. And we were like, all look around, like, oh, God, what do we do now? But, um, you know, we, we sort of stuck to the game plan, we stayed calm, and we ended up, you know, getting that win, which was the crucial one, really, because then, you know, we. Yeah, we yeah. went on to get Brilliant to the final. Stuff,
3: cause, cause, Tommy, you, you clearly then realised that keeping it tight was great for the ratings, because that's how you <laughs> continued for the rest of the tournament, until the final, we'll come on to that. Um, Argentina, this man does the business for you, he gets that, that winning try. How, how deeply in love did he fall with this man when he scored <laughs> that try?
9: Well, Dan and I have been in love for a long time now, so our girlfriends I have to put up with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we certainly kept it interesting for people out there. I think our families haven't thanked us for that. They said you just make it a bit easier next time on their um, on their nerves, but. Um, I actually strategically, you know, I had a penalty to win that Strategically hit the post, so that then I could set him up for the <laughs> try. Beautiful. Um, yeah. We've been practicing that one all year, so it was good yeah, to see th- that come th- off. Th- yeah, and then... the, b-
10: the bouncing ball, you know, can't <laughs>
3: defend the bouncing ball. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly how I would have played it. was uncanny. That's what I was seeing <laughs> yeah. on the television. Then South Africa, and and the pressure must be building then, as once you're getting into the, the semi-finals, because yes, you can still get a medal, but you, you want the big one. So how much pressure was there in that Springbok game?
9: Yeah, well, I think I felt it most when we finished, because um, we, we were into all the games thinking, well, we'll, we'll do our best here, um, and we'll enjoy doing it. And that's the way we went about the, the whole process, really. And that was probably why we did so well. But the relief I had when uh, Dan kicked the ball off in that South Africa one, I mean, a 5-0. It was the most exciting, I think, one try game that I've ever been involved in. Um, And, unfortunately, Dan Norton kicked it out with a second to go, which gave them a line-out. It wasn't quite the process we practised in training, but, um, yeah, uh, it was a nerve wracking last kind of uh, two minutes, whatever it was, after the final whistle.
3: But you're into the final. Of course, these games are coming thick and fast. It's two days to get through this. Then you take on on Fiji, and I suppose if you're going to lose to anyone, you lose to everyone's favourite second team. (laughs) And everyone... There was kind of this emotional tie-in. Did you feel that there was this this tie-in
9: to Fiji, that people kind of thought... We really want them to win. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, I think that's always the way with Fiji. They're an amazing side to follow around the World Series. The way they play their rugby is, is great to watch. Um, and that's the beauty of Sevens. Um, it's, it's fast and it's loose. That's the way they play it. Um, and I think we've, we've both been on the receiving end of some pretty yeah. bad results against them. I think this was probably the worst. Um, but yeah, you're right. If you're gonna lose uh, on a gold medal, then that's probably lose the way to them. do it.
3: And of course, they were under the stewardship of a man who brought you guys into Sevens, Ben Ryan. And this is a great journey for him. So coach ben, uh, Benjamin Ryan gifted three acres of land and the name Ratu Peni Rayani Latinara by the people of Fiji. And this is what he then sent through I was lost for words yesterday when I was awarded the Companion of the Order of Fiji, Vinaka Fiji. But gents, surely this is the greatest accolade you can be given when you have a song written about you. Let's have a look at this. Great stuff, Iron Lion, Ben Ryan. I mean, you guys, you would love it if you could have a song like that written about you. I mean, that would just be the pinnacle, wouldn't it? I'm still Great. waiting for
9: that one, yeah. I think <laughs> he might have an album about him now that he's just come back with a medal, so yeah. And,
3: and, that, and what, what we've seen there, do you think they, it is a, a version fitting for a man who's given Fiji their first ever Olympic medal?
9: Yeah, I mean, he's gone there and done a very good job with them. Um, over the last, I mean, they've won the world. World Series over the last two seasons, so you can't argue that they're the top side in the world and, and they've proven that once again um, and for the country, it's an amazing thing. It's a religion over there, rugby, and, and they, they play sevens right from when they're born, um, right from when they can run, so it'll be a very special time for them over there. Fantastic and it's, it's amazing actually to hear the
3: warmth that you have for Ben Ryan and for, and for the people of Fiji.
7: It's been a really busy summer. Some of the biggest names I think we've ever seen in terms of international class and young guys coming to play their rugby in the VV Premiership. And we're going to start with Newcastle, a side that has signed more than any other side this season in the off-season. 14 players go up there to join Dean Richards. um, And they think that Nicky Gonover is probably the standout name. They lacked a little bit of that X-factor try scoring without Sonotti Sonotti last season. When he joins them in partnership out wide, they could be a deadly duo.
6: Look at the other end of the table, the Saracens, again, have been really prudent with some of their signings. Not that many in terms of total, but what an impact they're going to have. First of all, you've got Alex Lozovsky, who's moved down there to be backup probably for Owen Farrell, but perfect to come in when Owen's away on international duty. Savi Rawaka, the Fijian gold medal winner, he's come over to the 15-a-side game. Really physical specimen, but talking of physicality, Skolt Berger. One of my favourite ever players. We're going to get to see him
7: in the Premiership this year. We talk about players coming in, but also players leaving and coaches leaving. We've just mentioned Ben Ryan and his twin brother, Dean Ryan, has unfortunately left Worcester in the off-season. But they've made some really good signings, one of which, Ben Teo. He comes into that midfield. They're going to need to be direct. It's going to be a busy season for Worcester. And signings like this show that Worcester could be moving in the right direction.
6: Well, the Chiefs didn't get too much wrong last year and they haven't added massively, but again, really good with some of their signings. Probably Dean Mum's Australian influence. They've got two Wallaby forwards coming over in Dave Dennis, the big back row, a physical guy, and they've also got Greg Holmes, the, the, the prop. Uh, but for me, their biggest sign, their best signing, is persuading Oli Devoto, the England starlet, to move from the wreck.
7: And talking of Bath, not a great season last year. You would have expected them to make a wholesale changes everywhere, but they've only brought seven players in but real quality across the board. You've got Toby Faletau, a brilliant ball carrier. Luke Chartres, we've seen what he's done around the field last season and seasons before. But for me, Khan Foto Ali could just be that controlling influence to get that exciting bath line moving in the right direction.
6: And over to the Tigers, they always, Leicester had, spent most of their money on their forwards and, and then the backs maybe were an afterthought. That's all changed under Aaron Major. They've signed J.P. Peterson the Springbok this year. They already had Beetham, Vianu, Tualangi. but the person who's going to be charged with making all those guys tick in a world-class back line, Matt Tamua, one of the biggest signings of the season throughout the Premiership for me.
7: The one side you could argue that hasn't made as many big-name signings is Gloucester. No marquee signing to speak of, apart from Matt Scott, who comes in and offers them a real attacking force in that outside channel. They've already got an exciting backline, Gloucester. But can those forwards really start to deliver, with a lot of academy lads needing to step forward?
6: Well, Northampton, again, another side that haven't, spent, haven't got that many in terms of quantity of signings, but everyone was saying last year they really missed Samu Manoa's big ball-carrying presence. They've replaced him this year with Louis Picamole, And if you want someone to get you on the front foot, he is one of the best in world rugby. Just think of some of those battles he's had with Billy Von
7: Quinns as well, John Kingston down there, the new coaching staff. Quite happy with their squad, only adding seven players, of which Rory Jackson stands out. The controlling influence in the back line will be required. they made one more signing today. Mr Lover Lover. Sorry, Mr Alofa Loffa. He will be joining them. Samoan will be deeply needed. Sorry about that, mate. (laughs) Terrible. Um, Moving on
6: now to the Sale Sharks. Now. They've got that experience number nine that they've had over the last few years, bringing in Mike Phillips, the British Lion uh, from Rassing. Uh, they've also uh, managed to get Rob Webber. So we'll see if he can move back up the England hooking, pecking order. But for me, the wild card, their best ever signing for sale was a little man who came from uh, Wigan Rugby League, Jason Robinson. Josh Charlie, if you're half as good, you'll be going some.
7: He certainly will. And talking of sides making signings, it's a shame about Wasp, really. They had a really quiet time in the off-season. Couldn't find I think anyone apparently. They must have. They must have run out of money. I mean, they made a few signings, admittedly. I think 13. Willie LaRue, Larue, as we saw there, Kyle Eastman. good. Kyle Eastman, oh, Danny oh, Cipriani. Nice. Or oh, Curtly Beal. Curtley Beal or Courtney? Courtney. Curtley. He's one in one of them. Uh, I know. Oh, Tommy Taylor. Now he is okay, a, a great signing. I think they've made quite a few. And also, they've signed Tom Cruise as well. I mean, he was great at Mission Impossible <laughs> 1, 2 uh, my, and 3. My only worry and about Rogue that Nation, though, though, is they great.
6: had a good side last year. They got into the playoffs. They, they, they had that stability. They've now shifted 13 players out. 13 have come in. How quickly can they rediscover that, that sort of togetherness that they had last year?
5: Everything we've been hearing from Bristol this summer has been, you know, they're going for top four, they're going for European rugby. But how difficult will it be for them to just consolidate their place, firstly, in the premiership?
7: I think unlike the last two seasons where we've had London Irish who took a bit of a beat in most weeks and then London Welsh the season before, I think Bristol are going to be far more competitive than both those sides. So that's a, the first, that's a good, it's a positive, but it is very, very competitive. You look at the likely lads that may sit around them, your Newcastles, your Worcester, maybe even Gloucester if they lose some of those front line players because their squads not the biggest could find themselves in a battle. And once you get into a battle in that situation, anything can happen. You lose confidence, you only need three or four games on the bounce that you lose, and that, you know, that, that, the ball rolls and you're in trouble. And it,
3: for those of us of a certain age, we remember Bristol being a real force in the top league, whether it's the Premiership or the old leagues that we had. It's good to see them back, but it's a very different Bristol that we have now. Very, very different Bristol. The ground is very different. They've got a very wealthy owner, but they're not splashing the cash. They are very much building on Bristol, aren't they?
6: Well, the core of of Bristol has always been their support. They've always had fantastic support, a really difficult place to go and play, very vocal, very knowledgeable crowd. Yes, they've got cash, but I think they've probably looked at Exeter and how they've gone about it, built slowly. And, and just making sure that actually the team's really important, getting a good team together. I really like some of their signings. Tonga Weir will give him a bit of experience of the Premiership. Uh, will Hurrell was, was for me, probably the star of the Championship last year, starred in the um, in the playoff finals for Doncaster on the lo- losing side, and, and um, Andy Robinson's been quick to pick it up. The thing I'd say, though, about Andy Robinson is he's been out of the Premiership a long, a long time. It's a totally different Premiership from last time he was here, so he's going to have to get things right early on, because, as Austin said, once you get a few losses under your belt, it's very difficult to get out of that losing habit.
3: Yeah, 13 of the squad are Bristol-born and bred. And when you think of players that they produce produced, Pole, Poe, Ladey, they've come through the Bristol Academy. So it's all there, the ingredients are there, Austin, for, for Bristol to... Mount a challenge and for to stay, but will they stay? Another one of our polls.
7: We'll yeah, well, I got my first stat wrong before you'd be pleased to know. Uh, England have actually won <laughs> ten games on the bounce. I forgot about Wales and Uruguay, so they're only seven games away from winning that. But to clear up the maths, uh, we've been asking all week, do you think Bristol can stay in the Premiership? And so far, people think 55 per cent, yes, they will stay in. And I think those 55 per cent are right.
5: OK, well, let's move on then. Now, the are a few have made some minor law amendments for the new season, so we thought it would be a pretty good idea to ask one of the world's finest referees to come along and explain all. Please welcome Wayne Barnes.
6: Just before we get on to the the actual laws changing, there's a safety aspect as well, isn't there?
1: Yeah, so two things to look at at the ruck this year, where we've had a chat, um, you know, all the top referees got together um, in June and just put our heads together. And one of the concerns was seeing a lot of, you know, good players, you know, trying to disrupt the ball by walking through rucks and kicking the ball. If you're going to go and kick the ball, you've got to make sure you get it. And if you end up kicking a player in the head, you're probably going to get a red card this year, all about player safety. So whether
6: though. it's your fault or not, you've been reckless by putting your foot somewhere near the head of an opponent on the floor defence. Exactly. OK, the other one that um, Marrow and I have seen, Marrow obviously did it <laughs> by choice, I was just that late to breakdowns. But he's attacking the breakdown. If we set this breakdown up here, OK, the ball's there now. OK, what has changed? in terms, If everyone's on their feet, nothing's changed in terms of can you play that with your foot as the defensive
1: yeah. player? We're not in? saying players can't kick the ball. We still want them to be able to get in there. You know, Meryl's one of the best at it, getting in there, kicking the ball, disrupting the ball. But what we want to do is encourage the ball to get away from this once this competition's over. So he gets in there, they have their bit of a tussle, but eventually what we see is these players end up on the floor quite often. The nine wants to clear the ball, but what we often see is a big second row coming in a little bit late and then stepping Kicking over it. the top of the Particularly
6: just row. as the nine's going to pick it up, try and force a, a knock on. Yeah. Mara, how, how does that change you in terms of your decision-making when you're going to a breakdown?
4: You know, I think that's just it. Um, so now the decision-making is on this guy. So if he can get up through a um, legally and go-over, and if he can kick it, then we'll do that. But. It's not worth the risk if it's a 50-50 or if it's a 60-40. So if, if he can't do it, it has to, he has to make a decision. And if not, he has to bounce out and get back in the defensive line. Do you look at other
6: things? One of the things I think we picked up in our demo before the, the Aviva Premiership final was your ability to actually not go through the middle, but maybe blindside the, the scrum half and attack him as he's trying to pass the ball.
4: Yeah, um, we, we normally try and look at it. So if um, the nine's there and you know the blindside one and he's about to play the ball, if you're on side, of course, you can sneak up behind him and c- catch him on the way. Yeah,
1: so, if they, you're on side then, you know, sometimes you got caught a couple of times against us. It's ruining Australia. our fun <laughs> It's
6: all about attacking the little people when they're defenceless.
5: I'm going to break it up. Um, you know, when you first came on the scene, we heard quite a lot about um, how important your studies were. Were yeah. you studying for a degree or are you studying for a degree yeah. now? And how difficult is it to kind of balance both now, given your eyes? Yeah,
4: I'm still studying. I'm in my. Uh, fourth year so the final little bit of my politics degree Um, so it's going well it's uh, it's been quite tough balancing it but I think these type of things are all about time management Um, I've been fortunate to get a lot of help during the way both at Saris and at the uni Um, they've helped me out so on the home straight now
5: good good and is that what you do in your spare time do you study or you've got other interests Uh,
4: oh yeah Um, during term time obviously studying takes takes up a large proportion of my time but other things, other normal things, you know, I chill out with friends, uh, go see, see cool things, you know, spend some, have some social time with the family.
5: So, uh, family's quite important to you, though, isn't it? Because in, in all the kind of articles that we read and, you know, family's a big part of your life.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I'm very fortunate to have a very loving and very caring family. You know, they've, uh, they've been looking after me since, since the womb and uh, <laughs> they're, they're still doing a good job. So um, I'm very fortunate to have them.
5: We're going to see a tweet, actually, that, um, that you put up this, this week. It was, it was a tweet about a gallery or artwork. Is yeah. that kind of another one of your yeah, kind of hobbies? So, um, do, you, do you paint or do you just appreciate uh, good um, art? Yeah,
4: unfortunately, I don't paint. Um, I wish I did. I wish I could paint some of that, but uh, that's not in my <laughs> skill set. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm doing, a, on, a, on a low level, trying to collect some African art. Um, I've collected a, p- a few pieces of Nigerian art. My mum's just come back from Nigeria, actually. And she's collected me quite a few cool pieces. Uh, I'm going hang to hang them up in my house.
5: I love it. Feel free to invite us anytime to see it. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Hi. I know what you're doing now, both of you coming here, because, Amara, we heard that you enjoy kind of writing poetry in your spare time, is this right?
4: Um, well, I think that's a, a little bit overplayed, you know. So do we.
2: So we thought yeah, kind of we'd, thought, we'd but, get these yeah. guys to
5: write a poem, we've not heard them, the producer hasn't heard them, the director, so like, we could be in all sorts of trouble after this. But you're gonna have to judge which poem is the best. All
7: right. Who's going first? Do you like to go first? I'll go first.
5: Well, what are the poems, what are they about? This is,
6: this is called Sarah.
5: Oh, wonderful. <coughs> <laughs> Great.
6: There was a young lady from Wales, whose exam grades were mainly all fails.
5: <laughs>
6: Met a man they called Marrow, educated at Harrow. After that, her heart rate was right off the scales.
5: Is that it? That very was so terrible. Uh, well,
7: the end of it didn't even rhyme. Why have you
5: got your phone it now? Did. It's on your phone. Well, well uh, it's set. a
7: digital area, I'm trying to, I'm trying <laughs> okay, to get down okay, with okay, the kids. On, this oh, is on uh, Snapchat, okay. yeah, apparently. On, uh, this go. is a rising star. Okay. <laughs> There's a new second row called the Toje. Quite a player, they say. A far cry from mutants like Ben Kay. <laughs> <laughs> He's faster and fitter, a runner and a hitter. For England, he's starting to shine. But unlike Ben, he can catch the ball three yards from the line.
5: Very good, Austin Healey. Who
6: wins that oh, I Awesome. Oh, let, let me read my second verse.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Austin. We Best thing I've won since school. Well done, I won a
7: creative writing competition when I was eight, but I cheated. You didn't win a World Cup medal. That's no. <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> I
5: love it. Let's talk pre-seasons. Where was the glamorous place you went on a pre-season tour? Suffolk. With the Met Police. So so you didn't go to San Fran then,
3: did you? No, scored two tries, arrested three people. Okay, what was it? No, not San
5: Fran. Okay, well the quinn's boys went to San Francisco. Let's see how they got on.
3: (laughs) Ben, let's let's talk about Harlequins because they've got John Kingston in charge. Changes, subtle changes, maybe. Not too many particularly new voices for the players to hear but huge pressure on these guys because last season was uh, a big disappointment
6: yeah they're, they're one of those teams that sort, sort of have won the uh, austin's car <laughs> <laughs> um, one of those teams that that obviously reached the heights with their aviva premiership and then couldn't quite manage to go the second year what we we're talking about before you know big year for saracen's coming up and and they haven't made huge strides over the last few years and and one of the worries, perhaps, is the fact that there aren't many new voices coming in. There's not, you know, you've got John Kingston, who's been there. The one guy that is coming in new, Graham Roundtree. I think he'll offer a lot to, to their forward pack. Obviously, Nick Easter has joined as defensive coach, retired. But again, he's been in and around. So it be very, very interesting whether they've been right and they've consolidated and they've grown together uh, organically from the inside or whether actually they needed a bit more new blood. Because signings-wise as well, they haven't been as big a names as some of the other teams. They've made some signings from the Southern Hemisphere. But we'll see how they
3: settle in. yeah rory jackson's probably the, the biggest one maybe that certainly that we wouldn't know but what about john kingston we've seen him around quins a lot we don't hear a great deal from him. we're going to hear a lot more from him now because he is the man in charge we caught up with him and this is what he had to say about the new season
0: champions of england have got to be able to play every which way i don't like to dwell on the past because it's four years ago since we were champions of england but It's slightly trite to say that Quinn's only played one way four years ago. Harlequin's had strength and that's what champion teams have. They have strength right across the board from one to 15. And whichever way you try to take them on, they've got the answer to it. That's what great sides have. So we've got to be able to play, want of a better phrase, an all court game. We've got to be able to um, put on whatever's necessary to turn the opposition over. Uh, in whatever conditions it may be so you know that that's where we're at it's not about saying we're going to do it this way or that way it's about making sure that we've got the ammunition whichever way we have to go into to try to make sure we come out on top
3: Austin he's one of the great guys of English club rugby but he said that you need strength from 1 to 15 I know what he meant but actually when you look at it now you need strength from 1 to 40 you need a really strong squad have Quinn's got that strong squad
7: I think they've got good players, but I don't think they've got a championship-winning squad just yet. You know, their frontline players are excellent, but they lose too many of them. You know, Rob Shaw, Brown, Danny Kerr, they're probably only playing a maximum of twelve, maybe thirteen of either premiership games during the season because they're away with England all the time. So that's where that's been their big Achilles heel. And also their inability to find a different style of play at times last year. They still ran the ball when it needed the leather kicking off it. And we saw that with Botticr numerous No, not they... Re- well, they don't, but they need to find, and I think what John Kingston's saying there, they need to find that wet weather game where they go into a game. I and mean, they don't play the Quinns' way. They start pushing the corners, they get their pack moving forwards and, in fact, their centres don't touch the ball, they just tackle all day. And that may, 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 may help them win some games.
3: Well, they've got a big season uh, ahead of them and uh, they want it to be successful. It's their 150th year for Harlequins. This is their celebration shirt for the season. They've got what a replica of it. It's a lovely shirt. It's, it's a bit care. small. Austin, <laughs> yours? Um, no vat, mate. Is, uh, no this that. is their, their, their badge uh, commemorating when they first started out. And they've got a game against the Maori All Blacks on, I think it's it the 16th of November. So that'll be, that'll be a big one for them. So they've got a very, very big season ahead of them. They yeah, have indeed. Um, now, one side... Well, let's talk about them. They're another the side keen to replicate the success of last season. A premiership runners-up, Exeter Chiefs. Their pre-season has included training on the beach, team-building activities in Dartmoor Forest. To most of us, that sounds like a holiday. Mm-hmm. But these are the Chiefs. It'll be tough. Three, two, one. Going Everyone wants to try and break up training a little bit in pre season. Can get a little bit monotonous. You spend a lot of time in the gym, you spend a lot of time on the training field. So
9: today, obviously stuck the tractor pull in just to make sure we weren't uh, taking it too easy. Uh, this is
3: not all kind of fun here today. You know, there's a fair bit of physical work. You know, they're doing a fair bit of running, a fair
0: bit
1: of carrying. It was my first uh, introduction to, to serious work, I've uh, been sort of drip fed in this week kindly by the SNC staff and I, I found it pretty tough, I think all the boys are a lot, a lot fitter than me at the moment.
9: The walk home was our first one of the day to warm up um, I enjoyed that and then we did a big foot one where we all, all just step on a plank at the same time, that was probably, that was probably my favourite. I mean occasionally you see
3: something you haven't seen before but massively what I've seen today is the people, the characteristics of you on the rugby field do start to come through. I think we should uh, go at 70% from now on, and then if we lose, we know we could have gave 100%. <laughs> We've got a bit of a mantra here that we, we talk a lot with the players, is that uh, we're going to ask them to work extremely hard, we're going to challenge them in everything they do. You know, ultimately to break things up a little bit often brings bigger rewards you know, in the longer term.
5: Big season face the Chiefs, in terms of backing up last term's success, I guess. Mario, what do you expect when you face the Chiefs?
4: Yeah, obviously, we played them quite a few times last season. Um, they've, got, they've got a really good forward pack. Um, they're scrum, they're more, their line-out is, is, is always up there in the, in the Premiership. But they also have a great tactical kicking game. You know, we have, we have to be on our game when we play against them, because, you know, they kick very well on the pitch, and they put us in difficult situations.
3: Well, one team... We mentioned Harlequin's looking to improve on, the, on former glories. One team that definitely needs to do that, of course, is Bath. They had a miserable season last time and even for briefly flirted with the relegation. they got a new man in charge, the splendidly named Todd Blackadder. This is how he is looking forward to the season ahead of it. I think it's an advantage to me coming into Bath at the moment because
6: you know, I'm not tied up in, in the history so much and what happened last year. I'm just seeing things with fresh eyes. I think that's really good for our players as well so I don't know them so I'm just seeing the way they behave and the way they train and the way they perform so I'll base my selections on that and when it comes to the teams you know I know that there are sort of bitter rivals out there but I'll just do my analysis and prepare the team as best I can to so that we can try and win those opportunities and if we do that then we'll give ourselves a, a good chance of winning the game so I'll just see for the first year I'll just see things uh, hopefully with beginners eyes.
3: Ben, he's a man with a, a great CV. When you look at his coaching resume, it is impressive. But when we look at the experience of Tom Coventry at London Irish last season, who didn't know a great deal about Northern Hemisphere rugby, Todd Blackadder does. Is that crucial? That's exactly it. Tom Coventry,
6: a few weeks in, said what, what surprised me most is that actually everyone's got different tactics in the super rugby. People are generally trying to do the same thing. You come, against, come across a different style of, of uh, game plan every week in, in the Aviva Premiership. So... Having been up here in the Northern Hemisphere, up in um, the Pro 12, will really help him, I think. But he's, he's got to pull a team together that fractured last year somewhat. Rumours that George Ford wasn't particularly happy after his dad left, he's got to get him under his wing because he's so important to how they play. Falatau coming in, he has got to bind them the together very quickly.
5: How long has he got though? Because I mean, the Bath fans, obviously... They expect success, oh, look, they didn't we, have it last We can't season. turn
7: into football, don't ask me how long he's got as a no, coach. No, no, but, but I mean they, will
5: they give him time? Because yeah. it's obviously starting, that's He's got stuff, a brilliant, he's got I mean, a brilliant, a brilliant squad, he got.
7: he's got a brilliant squad and he won't want to let himself down or his uh, his coaching CV. They've had a good pre-season, they battered Leinster away, done well against Scarletts um, and they've signed really, really well. They've bolstered that pack. The only worry is the 10-12 channel. Can Ford and Bowden really secure that defensively? Because they're the two front-line players.
3: You mentioned that you thought maybe Faletau could be crucial in that as well. But you've got a feeling, Ben, that maybe they lost a little bit of the relationship with with the Bath supporters. Maybe the Bath supporters are starting to think that Things were turning against them a little bit. But, but you, when you look at what they're doing, the community projects that they're putting together, and even simple things like a kit launch, you get the feeling they're really trying to reconnect with their fans.
6: Yeah, they are. I mean, obviously, they're out in, in Bath City Centre. Um, but I think, you know, the, fan, the fans that sort of say that they've had a bit, bit of a disconnect. It's just because they're so passionate and they love their team. They want their team to do well. And when they're not doing well, they can't understand why. And, um, you know, very, very quickly, if they start to see the performances going back to what they were doing uh, two years ago, 18 months ago, they'll be very, very happy.
3: Now yes. when... The, sorry, very, very quickly. I need to go... Because this is a really important one, okay. sorry. because are going to make it important I'm going to have to make it important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the marketing people said, during the course of this day in the town or whatever you're doing for the club, you have to take off your shirt, I would imagine most professional rugby players now are like, Absolutely, I'll do it. Shirt is coming off whenever you say. Are there are there a few players at Sarasen, do you think, no way do I want to see him with a shirt? <laughs> well,
4: <laughs> I think there are quite a few to be fair. Maybe, mostly the front row. The front row <laughs> tend not to look so great. Nothing changes. I,
5: that was such a crucial question.
4: It was a crucial. It would have been.
5: Yeah. I'm gonna be do able to that, sleep. Sorry,
3: making me look stupid <laughs> in front of my mates. Stop it.
5: <laughs> okay, let's talk about Worcester then, shall we? Um, a little bit, and obviously the shock departure of Dean Ryan. Why, where does that leave them? Do you think, Ben, going into a brand new season? Um, they, they made strides, real strides, haven't they, over the last couple of you know seasons? Yeah.
6: Look, I, it was a big shock, actually. He he was building uh, something really, really good there, but I think you know, Hoggy... Was his number two, and and uh, will have known the the plan going forward. Um, it's obviously uh, you know it's how it affects the players, particularly some of those signings that have come in. They've been sold Dean Ryan's vision, and suddenly he's not there. But um, look, we'll have to see. They they've got a, a really good squad. They've got some good signings this year. I think uh, Francois Huard last year was was the signing of the for, for, you know signing of the season from anyone's perspective. Yeah. And if he can get them on the front foot with the speed of delivery that he gives them,
7: they'll be competitive. It needs to get dropped from the South African squad. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, he's injured as well at the moment. But it's not as though the guy is stepping in to fill Dean Ryan's boots, has got no experience at all. Carl Hogg has been there and done it. Let's hear from him. He's got a big challenge ahead of him.
1: Yeah, Dean's departure was obviously unexpected during the summer, um, but pre-season was planned and we're rolling that accordingly. We obviously had a great platform to, to go from, from last season. Um, keeping and retaining our premiership status was obviously the number one goal last year, and obviously it's to build on it this year. Um, I think we've got really strong foundations within the club, um, off the field and, the f- and on the field, for us to, to push ourselves forward.
3: Well, we've, uh, we've got to talk about Gloucester as well. Big, we mentioned Harlequin's their 150th year, it's the 125th anniversary of Gloucester playing at King's Home, so a big season for them. They've got a, a hybrid rugby match coming out. Rugby League and Rugby Union coming together on Sunday, the 9th of October. Make sure you get tickets for that. King's Home needs to be celebrated. It's one of the great grounds.
5: Okay, so, as we've said many times tonight already, it all kicks off this weekend, and we're just a little bit excited. Four games live on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD, including the season opening doubleheader at Twickenham.
6: This time of year, usually first show we do a bit of a prediction
3: about who's going to win the league we're going to do it slightly differently absolutely yeah we're going to do it week by week so we've asked you guys to come up with your predictions which i know you love doing who's going to win (laughs) the individual game so these are your predictions first up gloucester leicester a split here Ben, you've gone with Tigers. Austin, you have gone with Gloucester. Elsewhere, you are absolutely exactly the same. So let's just focus on that top one. Austin, why are you going for Gloucester?
7: Well, like I said before, Gloucester's squad isn't that big, but they've got all their first-choice players playing. They're at King's home. They're at home. First game of the season. I just think they'll win.
6: Uh, such a difficult one, for, for all those reasons Austin said, but I just think some of the firepower Leicester have got, maybe at Gloucester you can play with a bit of expanse and, and, and use some of those guys. I've just got a feeling that Leicester might do it.
3: Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again next week with Wasp star Curtly Beale and Worcester Warriors and England squad man Ben Teo joining us in the studio.